All right, this is episode number 77 of the Bearded Marketers Podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. We're bringing the latest and greatest every Monday morning in the world of internet marketing, optimization, testing, analytics, paid search, whatever it is, we talk about it again every Monday morning at thebeardedmarketers.com slash podcast. You can also catch us on iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. If you're listening on iTunes, please take a second or a minute and write up a great review. But if you only have a second, leave us a rating, five stars preferably. I know you love us. If you're listening, you love us. We've hit you with 77 episodes. For free. If you're listening to this one. Wow, that's insane. All right, let's do the drink rundown. Of course, you know me. If you listen at all, it's a Moscow Mule. Boring, boring. We can almost skip it at this point. So <laughs> no, what are no. you doing? <laughs> I'm doing a Presbyterian, which is also some ginger beer, but Buffalo Trace. Yeah, a little and bit of lime. Yeah, a little bit mice. of lime juice, yeah. If Gosling's ever goes out of business, gin- Gosling's ginger beer, if they go out of business, Or uh, definitely we're screwed because you couldn't brew up a good batch yeah, we're, last we're week. done for. I think, luckily, I think they've been in business since like 1867, so okay. it doesn't seem likely. But. Good. All right, that's enough ribble-rabble. Let's go ahead and get into the topics tonight. A wide variety of topics that we have. Going to kick it off. I mean, we're digital marketers. Can't not talk about Apple release, even though it was a little disappointing. What? (laughs) 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 Moving on to the cost of DIY marketing. That was something that was spurred to a local event that we went here recently. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Twitter's testing buy button. What? Buying from Twitter? Yes, it is rolling out, being beta tested. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Something that is near and dear to our hearts, value proposition online and really anywhere else in your business. What are some things you need to think about? Is it better to be specific, more vague, things of that nature? And then it would not be an episode if we didn't talk about what's happening in Mountain View. Our friends at Google, what is coming down? So Rob, kick us off. Apple, tell us how sad you were at the announcements. I will say... The one that you're going to be talking about is actually pretty cool. I'm still awfully excited. I'm still on <laughs> that high. Okay. Uh, we're recording this the day after mm-hmm. the big Apple announcement. I watched you it still, live. You still have an afterglow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I watched it live. Video kept cutting out. I was freaking out. Pulled out my hair. Pulled out a little bit of my beard, too. I don't know if you noticed in spots that are missing. You've combed over it well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so for those out there who are not aware, what are you doing? Get with it. Okay. Apple Pay is a huge thing. So that was one of the massive releases. It's the one we're going to talk about here. So Apple Pay, what is it? What does it mean? I think it has some pretty huge implications for those of us out there who especially sell things in the mobile space through apps or even through mobile websites. I think we're going to see some cool integrations mm-hmm. there. So essentially what this allows you to do, I don't know if this is going to roll out to some of the older iPhones, but for sure with the new iPhones, you will be able to upload your credit card information basically to your phone. It doesn't actually go anywhere. It stays inside your phone in the secure thing. So they they were really harping on the whole secure aspect, I think, which is important, especially with all the sort of target leaks. You mm-hmm. know, they leaked out all these credit cards, all this right. sort of stuff. People were sort of hesitant with that. Well, and there was some, it wasn't true, but there was some news around iCloud being responsible for that recent right. celebrity leak, which actually didn't turn out to be true, but that's what people think. So Yeah. So, so they really harped on the security of this as well as, you know, to actually pay for some thing you have to use your thumbprint or mm-hmm. fingerprint to actually pay for it. So anyway, the point is it's got the uh, NFC near field. I don't even know what that stands for. Something. Was some Android's had for a number of years. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> everyone knew as soon as Apple did it, it was going to take true. off because no one uses <laughs> Google Wallet. Uh, anyway, so what it allows you to do is most merchants out there who are already compatible with this, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of, there's a decent number of credit cards where you can sort of tap right. to so pay. I think MasterCard PayPass is the largest one. And it's actually yeah. a surprising amount of places have them, mm-hmm. but I've heard from people that 
that try to use it on their Android device, it's kind of 50-50 if they actually work or not. Right. Because it's actually an older technology that never really took off, and now there's some added steam into the mix. But you're right. There's quite a few people that are already have that sort of integration built yes. in. So Apple has finally sort of hijacked that. So right out of the box, you'll be able to work with all these merchants who mm-hmm. have these things enabled, but because it's Apple. And I thought this was, in my mind, what was going to make NFC huge. It was going to make phone payments huge. Once Apple gets on board, everybody's going to get on board. I mean, Apple's got the largest user base in terms of people with the same phone. You know, everybody's already got an iTunes account. So as soon as they released it, uh, which is coming up very soon, everyone's going to clamor to get mm-hmm. a hold of that Apple payment system. Yeah, I mean, Apple has the benefit of the strength of the brand and being able to command that. The, the issue that Android ran into is uh, back in the day, while the actual handsets themselves had the hardware, the problem was Verizon and the carriers themselves were actually disabling NFC because what they were trying to get into is the mobile payment field themselves. So they would actually disable the physical hardware in the phones when they would get them from the manufacturers and force you to try to use Verizon payments or whatever it would be. So in fact, the carriers actually very much stifled that getting off the ground when it was first released a couple of years ago. And the benefit that Apple has is they can tell people to go shove it. We're going to do this anyway, and right. we're going to make you pay in the press if you don't. It's good that they're pushing the industry forward, yeah. and hopefully we can all benefit from that. I do want to harp on what you were talking about, the ease in which it, this is deployed. And I think that Apple Pay will be an interesting thing for the mobile field in that as someone that specializes in e-commerce... That friction of checkout is always something that's in the back of your mind. It's something that you worry about as a store owner and someone that's looking to optimize that. And having an integration where payment can really be sped along through the process of potentially already having credit card details, especially if that can be linked to shipping addresses and things like that, depending on how strong the integration is, maybe to the bane of consumers' wallets, it becomes very easy to shop online to the rejoicing of store owners. So. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested to see where that goes, if there's any limitations of browser compatibility, things mm-hmm. of that nature, but an exciting development still on the base level. But I probably should have been a little bit clearer about exactly how this works, because I think there are maybe some Android fans out there who are haters and who prefer not to watch the Apple announcement <laughs> or pay attention to what's going on in that field. I mean, I, I, to be fair, everyone's sort of hyped into the new iPhone releases, sure. but... This one is definitely, it's I think, event. going to be a bit of a game changer. So let me walk you through a sort of scenario and how I would use Apple okay. Pay. So let's say I just got my new iPhone 6, pull out my credit card. I take a picture of it with my phone. It uploads the data to that sort of secure, I don't know, data vault or whatever in my phone. I forgot what they called it exactly. Now when I walk into Walgreens to buy a pack of Coke, I can just pull out my phone, tap it to this little NFC reader thing, put my thumb over the reader and it pays right there, and I don't need to pull anything out of my mm-hmm. wallet or anything else. So that's an example from real world. Now, let's right. say I want to buy something through an app. Let's say I wanted to make a reservation on OpenTable, which this is a specific example they gave. I make a reservation on OpenTable. I go to the restaurant. I'm done. I can pay through now with OpenTable itself. Uh, so I pull up my bill on OpenTable, and I can pay for it right there inside OpenTable. So hopefully they have an app in the restaurant so you don't have what? to talk to a waiter at all throughout exactly. your home. Yeah, so, so now I don't feel bad when you give me crappy service and I give you a 20-cent tip, which is something that was in the news. Today, so a couple of the other examples they have on here, I think that is a picture of an Apple 
app or sorry, a Target app. So you, if you're shopping on Target, that'll be something that's going to roll out pretty quickly. Simple Apple Pay instead of having to go through the manual checkout like you sort of talked about. Another example, obviously Uber, the wildly popular, I want a taxi, but I don't want a taxi service. You can just pay with your Apple Pay. Right I'm making there a fling service, my hair so. movement. I want to order an Uber car. <laughs> I feel cool. <laughs> like I said, I mean, the integration is very, very slick. What's interesting in some of these screenshots is it's showing the depth at which the integration seems like they're heading. You know, we have some shots here of within application integrations, but also what seems to be uh, within just the default browser as well. So there mm-hmm. seems to be some hints that websites can interact with this API within the phone to initiate some of these features, which will be great. So you don't actually need to develop an app to take advantage of this if you don't want to go down that route. Well, this is me speculating, but I can very easily see, uh, you know, I Bluetooth link up to my MacBook Pro. I'm shopping on my MacBook Pro and I can go, yeah, I want to click pay with Apple Pay Mm because it knows I'm linked up to my iPhone and then I just put my thumb on my iPhone and I pay via that way. I can see that being a thing. I'm not saying that is a thing, but but one day that will be Trust on this. Trust me on that. Buy up all that Apple stock right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. That's enough about that. Let's move on. What the hell else are we talking about tonight? And this was spurred on by a local event we went to last night. Give them credit. What's the name? Jack's Online Marketers Meetup. The Jom. The Jom. Yeah. You know, the presentation was so-so. It was a little sales pitchy. But uh, I think the concept that they were trying to explore is worth a little bit of discussion here in Mm -hmm. that, you know, we run into this. I know it's a difficult subject for a lot of businesses and marketers because you get to a point where you've got enough steam, enough momentum. You're starting to make that money and you're getting on the cusp of, you know, I have been fighting so hard to keep this ship afloat. You know, I've been going through running, patching sales, plugging holes, trying to keep this thing afloat, and also charting a new path, trying to get my goods, trying to be successful. And it just gets to a point where that becomes too much. And I did want to talk about that. And I know that from a business owner standpoint, it oftentimes stems from two things. One, it becomes difficult to let go of some of these things. You're very familiar with it. You know exactly where you sit. And even though it might not be the best, you know where you're at. And there's some sort of comfort in knowing I got some handle on some of these items. I somewhat know what's going on and I have some control. You know, there is some comfort in having control over things. But also I think there's a fear of how much things cost as well. You know, I'll have to hire people and paid search firms are expensive and how do I vet proper SEO people? They all seem like a joke and all these things. And just from our experience, what a lot of marketers and businesses don't really take into account is how terrible of a job you're probably doing right now. I mean, with most of the things online, we have gone into a realm that everything has become much more complex. It's not the wild, wild west that it was where things were somewhat simple in the fact that they weren't very developed. We were at a base level with a lot of things that needed to be developed. So AdWords back in the day was easy because there wasn't actually much you could do within it. I mean, if it is what it is and it was limited, which also caused some frustration. But now, depending on how competitive your market is, is that's a huge beast to take on. SEO is a very dynamic field that is changing and, and takes some dedication. Again, depending on your market, And all these things can take a massive amounts of your time that is, again, could be spent on other aspects of your business. And I think that's really the missing key that a lot of 
businesses and marketers don't take into account and run around like a chicken with your head cut off to manage all of these things is costing you really being able to perform at your optimal level and what you're good at, which in the end oftentimes costs your business in the in the future. And so from the short term, you're keeping things afloat, you're keeping costs under control. But what we find with a lot of people is they start to get into some stagnant growth. You're so taxed and busy running around doing all of these things. You don't have the time to develop campaigns on where our products need to go. What are some new target demographics that I need to go after to grow my customer base or my potential base for leads or things of that nature? What are my competitors doing, keeping up with all these types of things? I did want to challenge marketers, and if you want to chime in on anything, to really critically analyze some of the things that are going on within your business. I think it was on a recent podcast I talked about just a recent experience I had with one of our clients talking about CRMs. And it was something that they pushed off for a long time because they didn't want to throw down the money for it. Because for them, it was going to be expensive because they do a lot of volume. But it was something that I continually pushed them on because I know that they were tying up so much of their own time dedicating to something that a process or a system could handle quite easily, but also help them manage those things much more effectively. And the very first thing they said after the end of the first month was, you're completely right. And even though they might be paying a couple thousand dollars a month for that system, they told me that within they see two to three months, it's easily paying for itself and some. So, you know, Again, it feels good. It feels nice to have that control over things. It's nice to learn things. I think me and you actually struggle with that sometimes, and I enjoy learning new things, and that's fascinating to me. But it also causes a detriment because I get pigeonholed and extremely focused on something where I could probably let a professional handle that, and even that's going to cost me money. My time is better spent somewhere else. So, again, looking at that equation. Yeah, I mean, I think you sort of hit on a lot of those main points. I just wanted to add one thing. You know, so I agree with all of that in terms of, look, a lot of these industries have become just so incredibly complex. I mean, you know, you mentioned both SEO and paid search. Those were a couple of the things that I really sort of started out in internet marketing with. Mm-hmm. But I would almost argue that I, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself an expert in either one of those things anymore, even though I once was, and even though I know a lot of those things still, and I still do a lot of those things, you know, for the Bearded Marketers and some of our other projects, but I wouldn't consider myself an expert on that because those two industries, as along with everything else, I mean, changes so much on the, on a regular basis. You have to be a full-time guy in those individual industries. It always kind of makes me nervous when I hear of agencies out there who do internet marketing, who say, we do all of this, right? right. So we do SEO, we do paid search, we do mm-hmm. digital media, we do social media, we How do content do marketing. Do all it's that? like, you cannot possibly be good at all of those things. Right. You just can't. Mm-hmm. And this you might day and age, do them and air quotes. Right. So it doesn't mean you're good at yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. You can't be an expert in all of those things. It's your, you know, it's your point. Just because I can do all those things, I'm not an expert. But I think that that, and that sort of dovetails into what I was going to say here, I think the problem is that all of these things are self-serve. Right. It's so enticing mm-hmm. to, man, in five minutes, I've got a Google AdWords account. I, I got traffic start, going to it. I can start blowing money on it like right now. And that's the difference between internet marketing and historically a lot of the other sort of marketing or advertising you could do for a business. I couldn't put up billboards myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I had 
had to consult with experts. I couldn't run radio ads. Fight club style. (laughs) Go there at night. (laughs) You know, I I couldn't run radio ads myself unless, you know, we did pirate radio or something. (laughs) You know, you couldn't do those things without working with experts who knew what they were Mm -hmm. doing and could in sort of consulted you on those processes. And also I think because I think that there was a higher quality push into those because you had to spend some time on it. You also needed to spend some time on how you were developing out some sort of strategy throwing down some money on quality where almost to its detriment, internet marketing appears to be so easy. We see a lot of crap run through and people just spending a ton of money wasting it because they're going about it at a low quality standard, not just in how it appears, but your execution on a whole is just straight terrible. You're not measuring anything. Your concept of how you're writing ads and deploying them and that congruent nature to your site it's all jacked up and that's because you don't have that much experience but it seems so easy because of the self-serve nature and the interest to try to do it yourself a lot of people end up wasting not only time but a lot of money just executing so poorly because to your point the barrier to execution is quite low compared to some of the more I guess, real life yeah. mediums. Well, I think, I think you hinted at another sort of angle of it too, which is the sort of psychological feeling of if something is free and or low cost, I don't put much effort into it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if, if you get, if you download a free ebook versus paying $20 for an ebook, which one are you actually going to take the time to, to read and, mm-hmm. and understand? Uh, you don't really care about that free one, but the one you paid for, you're going to mm-hmm. invest in. So to your point, you know, the difference between setting up an AdWords account, which is free and I can, you know, spend a few bucks a day, I don't really necessarily have to care about that. Mm-hmm. But the billboard, you know, campaign I'm going to run here in the city is going to cost me I don't even know how much the hell that costs, 50 grand or something? I don't even know. You know, it's going to cost me a lot. So I will care about this and I will try to consult with people. And I think another point before we move on here is that internet marketing is oftentimes a, oh, I messed up. Well, just fix that. It's not a big deal. You know, just move on. Commercials, radio ads, billboards. There's just no mess up. There's no redo. (laughs) Redo the billboard. Rerun the, you know what I mean? So it's easy to just throw a bunch of stuff out there, see what sticks and change it later if you you can't. Well, and sometimes that's a misnomer. I mean, you make some serious F ups in SEO and some of these other things. And there's some long lasting effects and things that can cost you. So there is this concept of not hiring an expert and stumbling can also cost you a lot for your business image where it's located online and, and a lot of other things. So let's move on. Man, one of your favorite topics. Twitter. Friends at Twitter. So what's up with the latest developments there? I don't know. You're the one who brought this to the Twitter <laughs> or to the uh, podcast. Doing your Twitter <laughs> research for you. So apparently... I talked up Pinterest on the last yeah. episode about how they have this ability. You can buy directly off Pinterest. Well, now Twitter's doing it. They're getting in on that game. <laughs> they heard the podcast, yeah. so they Obviously, had to roll this feature out because uh, we're huge fans. We know a lot of people over there. <laughs> Got to keep that on the DL, yeah. though. So Twitter is testing the ability to include buy buttons, you know, a price and free shipping and even size options, all sorts of cool little integrations that you can throw straight into your Twitter listings. It looks slick as hell on a phone. Which will be great with Apple Pay when that comes out too. Oh, <laughs> that yeah, whole that's, experience. That's, <laughs> it's just going to be flawless right there. Uh, I'm sure everybody in the middle will get their cuts. Sure. But sure. it'll probably work out for everybody. Uh, I'll try to describe this a bit over the over the podcast, but obviously we'll tweet this stuff out so you can take a look at it. But let's just say I'm on my phone, I'm scrolling through. Boom, there's a picture of some t-shirts I want. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. And there's a little it buy button. like a baby soft tee. Will, will look great on me. I click on that. I'm still inside... Twitter. It's a little sort of pop-up thing. It's got a little bit more information about the product, pricing, shipping, sizing, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then I click that button and then I jump over into wherever the hell I'm going. 
So it looks so slick. Hopefully they roll this out to more people. Right. We might actually the start peasant. having to sell something just to test it out. <laughs> right. You know, one penny with the for buy, buy a Bearded Marketers t-shirt okay. or something like that. Maybe a faux beard. We'll sell those. So yeah. People can put Strap them on, on while they're listening. Yeah. Uh, we should start a Twitter campaign. Take a picture with a beard on and hashtag it at us. Okay. I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll figure it out. Some, we'll yeah. figure it out. That's all I got. Do you have anything to add to that? No, not really. I mean, again, if you're in the e-commerce space or even as Rob mentioned, maybe you can use this not necessarily to buy things, but promotional in nature. So you want to leverage that integration to potentially offer something for free or extremely low cost might be an option for you out there. But again, Twitter has worked really well for us. You have to tackle that beast a bit differently than some of the other social channels. But if it is going to work for your niche, you can have some high dividends there. So let's transition over to value props online. Before we start, why don't we talk about what is a value prop for Uh those that maybe don't know the vernacular that that is? Well, I I guess it's pretty mainstream at this point. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I know what the actual technical dictionary definition of it. I, mean, I, I feel like that should be you. I mean, you worked at Mech Labs, right? Yes. Shout out to our friends. Brainwashed. Value prop <laughs> is their jam. Yeah. So what is, about, I mean, beyond just the sort of, I mean, I guess you could just simply I, I guess define how they, it. As, yeah, they would distill what it, it as makes, why. What is it that makes you better than everyone else? Right. right? Yeah. I mean, why that, should someone yeah. pick you over someone else? Right. I mean, I guess theoretically, this is more of a theory one. Okay, I love these. Yeah, and I just wanted to chat a bit. Fireside, Fireside chat. chat. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, damn it, we don't have scotch, <laughs> and it's too hot for a fire right now. But I just wanted to talk about value props, specifically online. And I think that there is, and I think this is actually getting a little bit beyond online as well, but I think that the barriers to entry to a lot of businesses these days have lowered so much that I think your value props need to be much more defined. Things like we're the lowest cost or, you know, we have free shipping or something like that, or just the fact that you exist, that Mm -hmm. doesn't cut it anymore. Things uh, need to be much more specific. I mean, customers out there can find the incredibly niche stuff. I mean, I've got all sorts of little products over here that this company only makes that. Mm -hmm. Like this very, very specific thing. But I seek that out because, you know, in your mind you think, okay, if this company does this one thing, they do it amazingly well. And that's what a lot of customers want these days. So I just want to talk about the sort of concept of value props. And I think just the concept in and of itself that specializing in something lends credibility just because of the fact that you just do one thing. And people assume that you are great at it if you want to do one thing. For example, Walmart. I mean, I don't think they're good at anything. Uh, People watching, (laughs) false. That is what they're great at. I haven't been to a Walmart. Self-esteem boosting. (laughs) For that very reason. But, you know, small niche stores, they are good at, you know, they are better at what they do. So, I mean, I guess that there wasn't much there, but, you know, that's, I wanted to definitely bring it up because I know that there are a lot of people out there still in internet marketing whose pitch, they haven't really sort of figured out. You have to well, figure out Well, I think that's really the things. key is people don't know. Yeah. You know, they, they crutch on, well, let's be cost leaders or some of these other things, but they haven't really devised up what their yeah. actual strategy is. But to your point too, how does that get executed through the entire process? So a perfect example, you know, we recently ordered some business cards. We wanted to go with something a little higher quality and attention to detail. So we went with Moo, who caters to a little bit more accuracy and attention to details. 
But that value proposition is carried not only throughout their site where they continually reinforce that with, did you double check this? Here are some guidelines that you want to keep in mind to have the optimal business card. When we received our business cards, the packaging, they spent a lot of attention to detail. It was nicely packed. It looked fancy with this seal on top and this paper inside that greeted us to our package. That value proposition was continued throughout the entire process and became not just a transaction, whether that is me giving you information or buying a product or whatever, but it became this relationship starter and something that was actually memorable. And I think that's where a lot of companies struggle in that. How do we make ourselves memorable to where people actually talk about us and this becomes something that is an actual experience, not necessarily just a commodities type of transaction? And how does your value proposition really play into that? But also, how does your value proposition not just steer what people do on your website or their experience, but how does that get communicated to product development or where your business is heading in the future? Value proposition is not just some, what is the key feature that we need to market to people on the website to get them to buy? The value proposition is what is the entire guiding principle or set of principles that is going to set your business on its course and something that you're continually striving after. Uh, And that's something that we necessarily can't answer just in this podcast, but it is something you really need to think about because like you said, access to competitors, finding alternatives, finding very niche items to fulfill things that maybe have a really high quality and and were difficult to find beforehand, those barriers are wiped away. So you cannot just rely on the fact of, you know, our value proposition is people landed here. So they're going to buy for us. You know, Mm -hmm. we have a nice site, we have nice pictures and our prices are pretty good. People should buy from us. That's no longer strong enough. I mean, the the market has moved way beyond that, but not just the market itself, but the actual consumers, the devices are driving this as well. The entire experience is, and essentially you're just going to be left behind or you're going to be eaten away by all these items of change throughout the short history that we've seen in, in e-commerce or yeah, lead gen or whatever. I, I, I mean, I think just the barriers to entry, I think today is the age of the niche right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can create a website that specializes in, I don't know, dry erase markers and mostly suck, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just looking around this room. Like, right. you know, I could create a business that makes a better dry erase marker and that could be like all we sell. Sure. I mean, that could be a legitimate business. I mean, with online marketing the way it is. This is the last I episode mean, of the Beard Marketers. We are going <laughs> to opening up. <laughs> and damn it, if anyone listens to this and does this, uh, you know, but that sort of simple concept of, look, something so incredibly specific that you could never make a business out of before. Right. You can. can. I mean, I can... I can set up a store that sells these markers now for like 20 bucks a month, you Mm -hmm. know, with something Shopify or something like that. Make it slick and do some really cool slick marketing and get a lot of customers that makes that a viable business uh, because there's people out there looking for that stuff. They don't need to go to Staples and Office Depot and all these things when I can just buy it from you. So wrapping things up with Google, what are we doing over in Mountain View? Two things real quick. One thing, if you use Google Analytics, be mindful that benchmark reports are starting to roll out. What is benchmark reports, Corey? Well there is an option within Google Analytics to essentially opt in to send them information and also get benchmark reporting into your accounts. Essentially what that is, is there is a, if you opt in to send your data to Google, you're going to identify an industry that you work within. Now there are competing opinions out there, people that are paranoid, whatever. I'm not here to debate all that. What I'm going to tell you is what Google is going to start doing is 
based on the industry that you give them, they're going to start telling you benchmark metrics with your engagements and a couple other reports within the suite on how you stack up to what they see industry-wide. There is an actual very interesting case that they published on their blog post announcing this. It's definitely worth a read. We're going to tweet out a link. The company that they worked with is Twitty, and they found a lot of email opportunity actually with some of the benchmark reporting. So something definitely to check in if you have GA and you feel like the political climate at where you work is ripe enough to allow for the benchmark reporting. Again, take things with a grain of salt. Not everyone tracks things well and what they report to Google might actually not be the true case, but it's always good to have a marker out there. However, a challenge to you, if you're beating the benchmarks, don't snooze because benchmarks always change. And that's still a challenge for you to do even better. No, I'm packing it up. I see that as an opportunity to head home at 2 p.m. every day. (laughs) So the last thing that we're going to talk about is PLAs are also moving to third-party sites. So Google is allowing retailers and some of the larger sites now to run product listing ads directly on their sites, most notably walmart.com. So now as a company, if you want to have product listing ads within Google, you can now opt to have it on third-party sites as well to expand your reach. It's an interesting option. I think that you should most definitely break out those campaigns separately and see what the performances are. Because clicking from PLAs from now potentially retail sites could drastically change your performance than clicking from a search engine like Google. So I would definitely separate those campaigns, but it is now a great option for us that work in the e-commerce space to potentially expand our outreach. Or for providers like that, if you're a large e-commerce site, you might now have an additional revenue stream if you have ads on your site. So things to keep in mind. That's going to do it for us on this week's episode of The Beard Marketers. Thank you so much for your time. If you enjoyed yourself, as Rob would like to say, share with a friend, a colleague, or a lover. Also, if you leave us a review, that would be greatly appreciated. Helps us know where we're at with the show and also grow the audience. If you have an idea for the show or you're struggling with something, feel free to give us a call, 904-270-9603. You can call or text us there. That goes directly to Rob's phone, which he monitors day and night. The hamburger beard marketer's phone rings. He is on it. Or you can leave us a line at thebeardmarketers.com slash contact or reach out to us on Twitter. Definitely follow us on Twitter. You'll get all the links from the show that we talked about tonight. Again, if you are really struggling with something, you don't really know where to turn. Rob and I have a lot of experience out there and we can definitely lend you some help or put you in contact with someone that can. Again, thank you so much for your time. We will see you next week. Gee. Gee.